This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we are talking about snacking cakes as distinguished from cakes as distinguished from snack cakes which to me is like a you know like a hostess or little debbie convenience right of course okay so this is different and i think we're gonna maybe spend most of this episode trying to define what is a snacking cake this is true it's also something that i've thought of as like an everyday cake yeah Uh, an everyday cake everyday cake before we get started, a quick reminder, if you're if you're listening to this on the day it airs or shortly thereafter, uh, the live show that we did, the lightning round show, uh, will be available to view on our Reddit page until the end of June. That's reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. It was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. It was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry you weren't I don't there, oversell everybody. It. I mean, maybe you were. Maybe you were. Well, we'll do you it can again. relive it again. So, Okay. It seems to me that, like, you know, as we head down memory lane, we should acknowledge that this agenda is just going to be a little bit of a mess because, I, yeah, I think we're going to be talking about what defines a snacking cake as an integral part of talking about snacking cakes. And I don't think I really thought about the concept of a snacking cake until last year when Wife of the Show, Lori, started making snacking cakes, which we'll get into. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so should we start with memory lane or should we start by trying to define a snacking cake? Let's define a snacking cake. Let's go let's go off-roading here, Matthew. I know yeah, okay. that memory lane always comes first, but I think our listeners are old enough now to be able to go with us wherever we take this road. Oh yeah, I love I love off-road. going off-roading. I've got my Suzuki sidekick all gassed up. <laughs> Great. Okay, let's go. Vroom vroom. So, okay. <laughs> What makes a cake a snacking cake as opposed to like a birthday cake, you know? Okay, here's my definition. Okay. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. It's a square cake that sits around in your house and nobody gets upset if you cut off a random square or rectangle of any size from it and eat it at any time. Okay. That's my definition. Have you gotten in trouble before for cutting other shapes off of a square cake 
Or for cutting into a round cake. Yes, no, no, of course. If I cut a trapezoid out of a square <laughs> snacking cake, there would be a trial. There'd be, there'd be a, an inquest. What if you cut a triangle? Like, a cor- like if I cut a corner off, like in a yeah, triangular way? I'm just messing No, with I don't think now. that would be okay. Though. I think that would be like cutting like the, the tip off a slice of pie. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So, okay, for you, it's a square cake, and it's the kind of thing that, that you know, sits out on the counter, and it is expected and encouraged that everyone in the household will come and just take a rectangle of it whenever they want. That's exactly it. Yeah, like, it's okay. Like, the rectangles don't always have to be the same size. Like, you can go, like, who's an artist who uses a lot of rectangles? Like, Rothko? But his uh, rectangles are, are more, like, similar sized, I feel like. Oh, lots of artists use rectangles. <laughs> Even okay, my like, child. You know, like, yeah, okay, like like a like a June, like uh, a style June. Um, abstract Let's piece. Let's see with here, a lot uh, Saul Lewitt. Uh, Saul Lewitt, for example. You know, Ma- uh, Mondrian. Uh, you know, okay, there yeah, are a yeah, lot of, of rectangles in there. Let's go on and on. Agnes Martin. So okay, many rectangles. It's, it's fine to go totally Agnes Martin on a snacking cake, <laughs> but you don't. You can't go. Um, okay, who's an artist who uses a lot of triangles or trapezoids? <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm realizing, like, how few, how few artists I know. Uh, like, wow. You don't want to go, like, Salvador Dali on a snacking cake. No. But, you know, now that, now that we said that, like. You don't want to go all, like, dripping clock on a, on a, a snacking cake? No, you don't want to let your clock drip on a snacking cake, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But now that we've said this, like, it didn't even occur to me to cut a weird shape off of the snacking cake. And, like, if no one can hear me saying this in the house, like, next time there's a snacking cake, I'm going to do this and see what happens. Are you just going to, like, cut, like, a like some sort of random shape out of the very center of it and leave the entire rest of the cake? You know, I feel like I might not get in trouble for that because, like, the, the edge is the best part, right? Oh, no. no. No, no. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, God. Okay. Wow. This is more exciting <laughs> than I thought. Okay, Matthew, it's my turn to define a snacking right. cake. Okay. So in contrast to you, I don't, for me, whether it's square or round, both feel equally snack cakey to me. But what is important is that it's a single layer. I have so, a question about art. Okay. You, look, look, when, no, what, do you want to finish your snacking cake definition? Single sure. layer, def, I think definitely. S- single layer. I don't think of a snacking cake as having frosting. Now, it might have some sort of a like an like a thin icing or glaze that you can like pour over it, but I don't want to deal with frosting this this bad boy. I agree. So no frosting, and often it just has one flavor element. So like almond paste or nutmeg or. The one that I just, that Lori and I just finished off this morning, which was a sesame cake. Oh. With tahini in the batter and lots of sesame seeds sprinkled on top. Very good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think in general, for me, what I think of first is like single layer. More than more than the cake shape, uh, more than, you know, what's expected in terms of shape of slice. <laughs> um, well, anyway, clearly, I yeah. think a lot about slice shape expectations. Cause you do. It's all I want to talk about. Do you think a snacking cake should be edible by hand as opposed to with utensils? And do you eat snacking cakes with your fingers? Most of the time, yes. Me too. I don't think that's part of the definition, at least not okay. for me. But I do I do mostly eat them out of hand, as we say. I mean, I feel like fingers are a bigger part of... I'm just realizing that fingers are a big part of snacking, right? Fingers are a big part of snacking everything is 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 fingerable everything is fingerable wow okay that's our new t-shirt 
<laughs> All right. Um, okay, so here's my question about art. Oh, okay. Like, are there painters that collaborate with other painters on paintings? Because, like, if I think of any other kind of art I can think of, like, you know, people collaborate on novels and songs, and I, that's the only, those are the only two kinds of art I can think of. Uh, plays, drama. Do people ever collaborate on paintings? Go. Uh, I'm not going to say no, because okay. that that seems too definitive. Does it seem like that would be fun? Um, it doesn't seem like it would be fun <laughs> to me. No. no. Um, I am sure that there are painters out there who are known for their collaborative work or maybe, you know, for whatever reason, like, yeah, all of a sudden I can think of even other types of visual artists who freely collaborate. Yeah, like video I'm game sh- artists. Or even, um, you know, I, I'm thinking of sculptors or performance artists. Okay, I have yeah. a feeling that many of our listeners are art historians and are going to let us know, like, which painters collaborate with other paintings. Because I feel like, what if I was a painter and I was really good at, like, painting people, but I wasn't very good at painting castles, and I wanted to do, like, a cool, like, medieval castle painting. Like, maybe my friend is really good at painting castles, but not people, and, like, together, it would be awesome. And and we should say that this is... Comic this artists is, collaborate, obviously. We should say this is separate from any idea of like um, like, a, like a famous artist having an atelier. Right. Of painters who work for him or her. I don't think of that as a collaboration in the way we're talking about, right? No, this is like two two artists like, like sitting down in front of a canvas together and like deciding who's going to paint what. And I mean, you can collaborate on cakes. You can. Speaking of which, you know, you know, do you think it's a collaboration when we cook a recipe out of a cookbook? Nah. Like like so. you're collaborating with the author? No, yeah, I don't. This, no, I don't think so either. <laughs> I think that this is this is one of those I like cute ideas that you see show up in like a, you know, a recipe headnote or oh, yes. a cute food essay like collaborate in a with way me, isn't every recipe like a collaboration with oh, those who came before us gosh that's beautiful thanks <laughs> okay but anyway what i'm trying to say here matthew is that there is an entire book called snacking cakes and this episode is not about that book but we're going to be talking about it a lot and the book i'm talking about is yossi arifi's snacking cakes yes which came out in 2020 and can i tell you what what she says about what a snacking cake is please do so i I read this wonderful article that rebecca den friend of the show rebecca den here in seattle uh, of the seattle times wrote about yossi's book and in this article yossi reportedly explained that a snacking cake is a snake. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that that is not the definition I expected. I thought it was going to be some kind of food, but it's, <laughs> but it's it's a reptile. It was a reptile all along. Like I knew it. Snakes are so fucking sneaky. Like they, you know, they they slink through the grass. They pose as cakes. They're always like. Wherever you are in the world right now listening to this show, there's a snake within three feet of you. And if you don't think there is, something you're looking at is a disguised snake. Oh, Matthew. <laughs> it's unusual for me to cry this soon into the episode. Okay, you're anyway. Uh, Yossi says, it's a cake for the sake of having some cake. Which sounds to me like a tongue twister, but I love it, It's a right? cake for the sake of, of having, having some cake. cake. <laughs> Let's set it to music. It's a okay, cake yeah. for the sake of having some cake. Beat em, beat it's em. a cake for the sake of having some cake. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rebecca Den goes on to say, 
It's a quick and simple cake that can do triple duty as dessert, breakfast pastry, or tea time nibble. <laughs> yeah. Quadruple oh, duty. Yeah. Snacking cakes are snake. great for breakfast. I would never do that. I just wouldn't eat a cake for breakfast. It's not. It's not. I literally who I am. did that today. It wasn't really? my only breakfast. I also had some bran flakes and the slice of bacon. Yeah. No. I, I would never. I, I don't, it wouldn't occur to me to eat cake for breakfast. But it's like right there. Yes. Uh, what shape did you cut it into? Rectangle. <laughs> there was there was like a, a you know a rectangle like a two by one rectangle remaining, and so I cut one square off of it. So I mean, a square is a kind of rectangle, it is. obviously. But yeah. I, I actually made a square. Okay, Matthew, let's go down memory lane now. Okay, the only snacking cakes that I remember from childhood, in particular, I was I have never been much of a cake eater until recently, and. I remember coffee cake. Would you say coffee cake is a snacking cake? I think it I fits would. the bill, I would, right? because coffee cake is not... So coffee cake, I don't think of as a dessert cake. Right. I think of it as something that shows up on, like, a brunch menu or at, like, a church potluck, if I had ever been to one of those. Yeah, so, um, like, all, my, all the brunches and church potlucks of my youth featured coffee cake. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. I did love brunch as a kid. I've never been to a church potluck either. Well... But I love coffee cake. Oh, I love coffee cake too. Do you like do you like it with like streusel on top? Do you yeah, like a absolutely. streusel layer in the middle? Both or if or a crumb layer, crumb crumble crisp? Is that I I don't <clears> think <throat> I knew that was different from streusel. We did a coffee cake episode. We probably talked about all these permutations. Oh, gosh, we did. When did we do have a coffee cake episode? In the past. Okay. Um, Maybe I'm going to say 2007. No, that, okay. that, 2017. That was before say. we were doing the show, Matthew. <laughs> well, it was before you were doing the show. Oh, I have a were, secret. <laughs> you were here alone in your bedroom? Yeah, just... Making it's podcasts? Like, it's, uh, yeah, it sounded a little something like this. So, coffee cake. Is it a snacking cake? Is it a dessert cake? Let's find out. I would listen to this, like, <laughs> to, to lull me when to sleep. When you have sleep. insomnia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, those those first episodes that I was doing myself had <laughs> negative episode numbers. <laughs> you were counting down. <laughs> counting down. When... Like, I know something's going to happen when I get to episode zero. Okay, Matthew, I want to talk about my, my snacking cake memory lane. Please. So I don't remember having cake much as a kid outside of birthday parties. Yeah, I agree. Like, not even coffee cake. I just... I remember cake being a birthday party thing. I never thought about the idea of a cake as something that could be as everyday as a cookie until I got a copy of Edna Lewis's uh, The Taste of Country Cooking. Oh, okay. Which I I think I, I picked up a copy of it in like 2007 or something. Oh, right when I was starting uh, Solo Spilled Milk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was busy reading Edna Lewis at that mm-hmm. time. You were podcasting alone in your room. You were studying up for being the future host of Spilled Milk. Yeah. One of the first recipes that I dog-eared in Edna Lewis's The Taste of Country Cooking was a recipe she called Busy Day Cake or Sweet Bread. I, I love her description of it. Busy Day Cake was never iced. It was always cut into squares and served warm, often with fresh fruit or berries left over from canning. The delicious flavor of fresh cooked fruit with the plain cake was just to our taste, and it was also very refreshing with newly churned chilled buttermilk or cold morning's milk. Oh, that sounds great. Right? Yeah. So, what a writer, right? Oh, I love Edna Lewis. 
Speaking of which, have you ever um, read the introductions that she has? So the book is is organized chronologically through the seasons, and it's a number of menus, like Uh hog butchering breakfast, stuff like that. But anyway, she has these wonderful introductions at the beginning of each season, and they are so lyrical and just Okay, I need to reread it. Do it. Okay. Anyway, her recipe for what she calls a busy day cake is basically like a really quick to assemble white cake that's made with butter. I remember it having like this kind of surprisingly nubbly texture, like a really tender cornbread. Anyway, it's like flavored with vanilla. I mean, that's it. And I just remember being blown away by how delicious it was. Yeah. With no icing, no nothing. You know, once I had written all of that into our agenda, Matthew, I did remember... This cake that, so, you know, shout out to Crescent Market. Rest yeah, in peace, Crescent the suit Market. Yeah, of armor, the I, carpet. So over a- along the wall where the suit of armor was and where the fireplace was, there was this rack where they sold, like, bakery items that they had brought in from other local bakeries. And this was, I feel like this was kind of something that nobody else was doing in Oklahoma City cool. in the 80s. So there was this loaf cake that was bright pink with a bright pink like glaze like poured icing on top of it and it was a raspberry cake with raspberry glaze oh okay that sounds good it was unbelievably good and that maybe is like the closest thing i can think of to a snacking cake in my youth remember we did the pudding cakes episode a pudding cake is a snacking cake yes I i think you're right I think you're right. Do you think that it's that it's a snacking cake because it's you can't really like, cut a square or a rectangle out of it? Do you like, feel like bunt cakes are inherently snacking cakes? Because I feel oh. like a bunt cake is a kind of shape that like you would have with tea, or you would take oh, yeah. to a, a picnic if you were the kind of person to bring an entire cake to a picnic. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think of it, a bunt cake as being like an unfussy. Because like what we're what, it seems like what we're really talking about is not a layer cake, right? And Correct. Not, and not like a uh, daintily frosted cake. Right. We're not talking about like petty fours. We're not talking about petty fours. Our I mean, petty four episode will be next week. I can't wait. <laughs> we just came up with this idea. Great. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got, you can borrow appliances, like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it, no charge. <laughs> uh-huh, so like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in Alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody, nobody. Yeah, so like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then. And this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' Cold Coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? 
Dunkin's cold K-cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Where do we go from here, Matthew? Oh, uh, let's talk about snacking cakes we have made. Should we do that? Yeah, let's do. So it's interesting. I've now made two recipes from Yossi Arifi's book. But, you know, when I sat down yesterday to make a list of snacking cakes I've made, I feel like I have been... Like, snacking cakes have been my favorite baked item to make for more than a decade now. When I, when oh, I yeah. look at I, it I, in total... I knew that about you. Yeah. I mean, I am, like, really apparently into snacking cakes, but I only just now, with Yossi's book, learned that it's called a snacking cake. Because I was calling it an everyday cake, which was kind of my summation of, like, Edna Lewis's description of a busy day cake. It's kind of a cake that you can eat like a cookie, not in the sense that it has the texture yes. of a cookie, but like you can go to the cupboard and grab it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. What are some of your your snacking cakes of, of your? I mean, of your <laughs> meaning like the last year, the last since since Yossi's book came out. What does your really mean? Just What does your mean? And what's a yeoman? Oh, uh, and, and if you're putting that thing around an ox's neck, is it a yoke, ending or, in a K-E, or a yoke, like yolk, like an egg? Let's make this our words that begin with Y spelling episode. I think it's a yak. Oh, it's a yak. Okay. Yeah, what, like... What's different? Like, what's a wildebeest? We talked about this recently, didn't well, we? And I didn't look it up. That doesn't start with a with a Y. <laughs> well, I was going to say what's a yak, and then I remembered that I always get confused about what a wildebeest is. Like, I don't think it's a lot like a yak. Like, is a yak like a buffalo? What was the the animal we talked about recently that you fooled me into thinking was real? Oh, uh, uh um, I was going to say a gr- a gruffalo, but that's not it. No. Uh, Mar- <laughs> is Mark Ruffalo? All is not real. <laughs> it was the 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 thing from uh, Gloom County. Oh, Gruffalo. <laughs> I um, think a gr- I think a Gruffalo is from is from like Shel Silverstein or something. No, maybe. the Gruffalo is its own book. It's um, its own book. Okay. Uh, Julia Donaldson maybe is okay. one of the authors. And Stregonona. Stregonona is the is the animal that you thought was real. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what the? It's like. Uh, this is going to drive me no, crazy. No, it's like a jackalope. Or jackalope. A... That was it. Yes. So wait. Hold on. To so go back no, to a jackalope this... isn't real. Do we a have to have this conversation again? not real. I still can't believe it. I'm stunned. Okay, great. What were we talking about? <laughs> Snacking cakes that Snacking. we've made. Okay. So <laughs> I, you said you've made two recipes from, from the book Snacking Cakes? It, yeah, I have. So yesterday I made her powdered donut cake. Oh, Have I heard that was one yet? of the best ones. No. It's so good. So it's basically um, a white cake. It has about a cup. I think it has a cup of sour cream in the yeah, batter. Yeah, I love and sour it, cream cake. And it also has a lot of nutmeg. Now, I didn't even measure my nutmeg because it's supposed to be one and a quarter teaspoons, I think, of freshly grated nutmeg. And whenever I use freshly grated nutmeg, the thought of trying to corral it into a, a teaspoon makes me feel crazy. No, no, you so, just grind it out. I just grated it on my microplane right over the bowl. And I think I could have even used a tiny bit more. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's like this really like pillowy, light, but moist white cake. 
And then when it is almost fully cooled, but not totally cool, you brush it with a tablespoon of melted butter, um, which is actually like, I was worried it wouldn't be quite enough butter, but it was actually plenty. Um, You brush it all over with a tablespoon of butter, and then you dust it with three tablespoons of powdered sugar, which creates this like really nice, thick carpet of powdered sugar. Have you ever brushed butter on a cake before? No, but I have. I haven't haven't even heard of that technique. Well, I've made like donut muffins. Have you ever made donut muffins? Sure, yes. So it's that concept where like you take a muffin, you know, not in a muffin paper, and you brush it all over with butter or dip it, dip the top in butter, and then roll it in cinnamon sugar, powdered sugar. Anyway, this powdered donut cake was everything I love about a powdered sugar donut without me having to leave the house. That sounds great. And then I've also made, well, there's a, so one of my favorite cake recipes of the past five years is her pumpkin bunt cake with maple brown butter glaze. Interesting. I, I'm not much into pumpkin flavored things, but wife of the show, Lori, would love this. Well, so the recipe first appeared in the New York Times, and that's where it has As this. As a pretty, news story. That's, yes. Best pumpkin cake ever, says... <laughs> host of the show, Molly Weisenberg. Um, so that's where it, it <laughs> They it didn't appears. even specify which show. It was a weird article. <laughs> that's where it appears um, as pumpkin bunt cake with maple brown butter glaze. It also appears in the Snacking Cakes book under a slightly different title. You'll know it because she sprinkles um, pepitas on top, okay. which I don't actually do. But anyway, it is an incredible recipe. So yeah, her pumpkin cake... With maple brown butter glaze. Okay. Now, I want you to guess how many recipes from the book Snacking Cakes, Wife of the Show, Lori, has made since the book came out. I know for sure that you made some sort of a sumac cake because you mentioned it in our sumac episode. That was Um, the uh, rhubarb crumb cake with sumac crumb. Okay. What else? I'm guessing that Watzel has made six recipes from the book. The correct answer is 15. Oh my gosh. Hold on. I'm going to open up the table of contents. I'm not going to I'm not going to go through all of them. You're Some not? of them were not were not our favorites, but I'm okay. going to I'm going to list off the 5 that were my favorites. Okay. Salty caramel peanut butter cake. Maybe number 1. Okay, that one I have seen show up on other places uh, online, and it it just sounds incredible. Brown butter pecan and white chocolate cake. And the thing I liked best Ah. about this was, like, you know, we did a white chocolate episode, and, like, we said, like, you know, at least I said, like, I don't really think of myself as a white chocolate fan. Mm -hmm. But then we talked about caramelized white chocolate. And you don't caramelize white chocolate for this recipe, but you do sprinkle it with with white chocolate uh, chips or fevs on top. Okay. And they get really browned. And the browned white chocolate bits are so good. Oh, I'm looking at this recipe. Oh, my gosh. This looks really good, and I would never think to make this. This next one was made uh, not by Watzel, but by Silots W., sister-in-law of the show, Wendy. Okay. Uh, which was milk chocolate chip hazelnut cake with cocoa whipped cream. Okay. And like whipped cream with a snacking cake, I think is an exception to like the no like fancy frosting rule because like it's easy, so easy to whip up some whipped cream and throw uh, it on a cake. No, that's, that's pushing it for me. Okay. Pushing it. I don't know if I can be bothered. 
What else, rhubarb, Matthew? Rhubarb crumb cake with sumac crumb. Very yep. tasty. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably second favorite, pretty close second after the salty caramel uh, peanut butter cake, although it could be recency bias because I ate it this morning, was the simple sesame cake. It's just a cake with a lot of tahini with, in it and uh, toasted sesame seeds sprinkled on top. So I have a question for you. So one of the things that I think is is notable about this book, you know, it's, it's really a shame that uh, we don't have the author on the show today. Yeah. Um, but one of the you things that's grill her. One of the things that's really notable is that, like, she gives lots of ideas for substitutions and riffs to make use of what you've got on hand, which I think should be kind of a hallmark of a a snacking cake recipe. Yeah, because you shouldn't have to leave the house to get the ingredients. You know, that's right. I mean, ideally. Also, ooh, I I want to add that I think snacking cakes that I'm biased towards snacking cakes that don't require me to remember to soften the butter ahead yes. of time. Yes. Oh, oh right? Watzel, Watzel asked us to mention that, that that's one of the good things about the book is that uh, you don't have to remember to soften butter for hardly any and possibly none of the recipes. Yeah. So it's either melted butter or oil, Yeah. Um, which I love because th- this possibly makes a snacking cake easier to achieve than a cookie because with a cookie, you usually have to remember to take the, the butter out. There's not really like a workaround for that with a cookie. Um, I do like my favorite chocolate chip cookie recipe uses melted butter, but like in general, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, um, okay, wait. I have more. I have more more everyday cakes that I I've made. Okay, great. Okay, so the first cake that Ash ever learned how to make, and the only one still that they make with any frequency is Amanda Hesser's almond cake from Cooking for Mr. Latte. Oh, which we've talked about before, and I said I was going to make, and I still haven't. It is a recipe for the ages. It has both almond paste in it and almond extract. I use a little bit less almond extract than Mm -hmm. the recipe calls for, and I love almond flavor. Um, But what I love about it is that you bake it in like a nine-inch springform pan, and then the center collapses as it cools. Right. So um, you, it, it's got this wonderful fudgy texture, probably from the almond paste. Yeah, I mean, usually when you collapsing. see that, that's like a cake that's gone bad. No, no, no. This is, but not this this is great. Time. This is great. Um, okay, so yeah, Amanda Hesser's almond cake is an everyday cake in our household. Of course, banana bread in every permutation, I think, is a cake. Yeah. Discuss. I'll buy that. Yeah? No, I no, you don't have to. We're, we're not going to have the uh, Lincoln-Douglas debate on this issue. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so banana bread. You know, I also want to give a shout out to uh, the Hedgebrook cookbook, which okay. was a cookbook published by two longtime cooks at Hedgebrook, the Women's Writing Retreat on Whidbey Island, Washington. Anyway, for their 20th or 25th anniversary, they published a cookbook. And in it, there's a recipe for a butter cake um, that you can put any kind of fruit in that you want to. And what I like to do is make friend of the host, Dana Kree's uh, rhubarb compote. And I make this... We have some of that in our fridge right now. I make this um, this butter cake. You plop about half of it, maybe a third of... No, maybe two-thirds of it into a square pan. And then you dollop rhubarb compote over it wow. and put the rest of the the butter cake batter on top and bake it. And it looks so humble. Like, by the time you're done, you it's hard to really see that there's a coherent layer of rhubarb in there. But the butter cake and the rhubarb compote, oh, it's so good. And now, that this is me, so interesting to me. Uh, yeah? No one else is going to find this interesting. 
But okay. that that sounds great. And the thing I realized like over the course of eating 15 snacking cakes is like my favorite flavor is chocolate. Uh okay. like in the world. But my favorite snacking cakes are not chocolate. Like we've tried a couple like the the cocoa yogurt cake with cocoa glaze or the chocolate peanut butter cake which like, you know, by by the name and picture seem like, oh, those would definitely be my favorites. And in both cases I was like, this kind of reminds me of like why I'm not usually a cake person because I eat this and I'm like, it's fine, but I wish I had a brownie. Uh, whereas non-chocolate cakes, I'm like, oh, this is a different kind of thing that doesn't like make me want anything else. I think you're 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 building to a thesis here, Matthew. And I if, think I might be. And if I may try to guess what it is. Oh, are, we, are you going to do like a Hegelian synthesis? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I think that I think that a snacking cake maybe is a state of mind. <laughs> It's a snake, okay? <laughs> we know that. <laughs> a snacking cake is ideally a non-chocolate product. Or if it has oh. chocolate in it, it's going to be in the form of like chunks or chips. Yes. What do you think about this? I think there are people who would violently disagree with that. Possibly even <sighs> the author of the book Snacking Cakes because there are a bunch of chocolate cakes in that book. But to me, I, I do agree that's... That's like the kind of snacking cake that I want to eat. Like an, an example, like there's there's a great book by Lauren Chapman that we also have on our shelf called Cake Keeper Cakes from 2009, back when back when I was doing Spilled Milk solo. Someone someone <laughs> listening is going to believe that this is a real thing I did and not a joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cake Keeper Cakes, which has a, a snacking cake section, and there's a, a uh, recipe in there for like a graham cracker cake with chocolate chips that I don't even remember if we've made or not, but I keep like opening to that page. And I'm like, could you please make this one next? You know, it's interesting because I love chocolate, but I think that when it comes to baked goods, always my preferred baked goods have like actual pieces of chocolate in them if they're going to have chocolate at all. So even a brownie, I like, well, I like all kinds of brownies. I mean, I yeah. think a brownie is a perfect food. There we go. I said it. <laughs> but I, I think a brownie with chunks of chocolate in it is really where it's at. Oh, yeah. Like, if I'm going to buy the Ghirardelli uh, yes. brownie mix box, yeah, the double which chocolate. I am, yes. always double chocolate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, as I continue to talk about, like, what snacking cakes I've made, I'm realizing there's, like, no chocolate in here, except yeah. for the occasional chocolate chunk in banana bread. So, okay. that's And that's the name of your new cookbook, The Occasional Chocolate Chunk. Um, the last one that I want to mention is from, from a book called Southern Cakes by Nancy McDermott. Yes. Nancy McDermott, lovely human. And her book, Southern Cakes, gosh, it came out over a decade ago. I've had yeah. it for a long time. And there is a recipe in there that for me is worth the price of the book. And it is her sweet potato pound cake. Okay. I particularly like to make it with the the yellow fleshed sweet potatoes. Yeah, that makes um, sense. It almost like creates this flavor that is hard to pinpoint because it, it doesn't scream, you know, it's not bright orange. Anyway, so if you didn't oh tell gosh. someone it was a sweet potato cake, they might not know and just say, hmm, this is like, yeah, this cake has like an in interesting uh, undertone. That is correct. You know, what I'm realizing is that are all pound cakes snacking cakes? It seems like it. I mean, they're... <laughs> Because, like, yeah, in the Snacking Cakes book, like, she does talk about, like, you can bake many, many, if not all of them in a loaf pan. So it's not that they have to be flat. That's correct. That's and, correct. And, yeah, like, if there's a if there's a, a pound cake 
sitting on the table and like you went off and cut a slice of any thickness, no one would think that was a weird thing to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that makes it a snacking cake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we make your your pound cake, berry, like berry pound cake from homemade life, right? Oh my gosh, that's Often. a snack. Is that a snacking that, cake? Seems like it. it seems I like snack on it when it's cake. around. Me too. I haven't made it in ages. Oh my gosh, I love that you mentioned it. I think that's like Silot's W's all-time favorite cake. Really? I think so. I don't wow. want to speak for, for Silot's W, but Oh my gosh, I'll yes, have to tell my mom. That's a recipe she's been making for an age. Oh, that's great. Okay, Matthew. Should we move on to segments? Yeah. But the segments have to be rectangular. Great. Spilled mail. We don't have any this week. Get in touch. Contact at spilledmilkpodcast.com. Ask us a question, and if we want to answer it, we will. Our cute animal that you should know. This week, I'm really pleased to present uh, the golden snub-nosed monkey eating berries. Oh, the the GSNM. <laughs> yeah. So you got to hear the sound he makes. So number one, this monkey looks like a kid in a Halloween costume. Oh, I love that this is 20 seconds long. Okay. <gasps> this monkey looks like a kid in a Halloween. I can't believe this is real. Right? Look look at his nostrils. He also kind of looks like, like a Day of the Dead skull. Are like, you sure this is real? Do monkeys stand up like this? I don't know. Look at this thing. Anyway, look at his nostrils. There's also something about his face that is so like human skull like. Am I right? Yeah. He looks like a like a sculpture of a human skull. I feel like he's about to talk, right? Oh my god. Look at him. Look how he reaches for the berries. And what is up with the loud noise his mouth makes? I mean, do monkeys don't have manners. That's one of the god. great things about being a monkey. Oh, Matthew, what do I you I feel think? like this monkey like like as soon as the person stops giving it Giving the monkey berries, the monkey's gonna be like, "Where? Why did you stop? What the fuck is going on?" Yes. Oh, and I, I don't mean like make monkey. a face that implies that. I mean literally say it, just like I did. Yes. Yes. Great pick. Thank you. Thank you. I, I also just wanted to mention, Matthew. Did you look at his nostrils? They're like perfectly <laughs> like they're like oh, perfect wow. yeah, slits. Like, they're so it, narrow. It looks like like you know if you were like learning to draw, you would like draw this and be like, no, like this isn't quite doesn't quite look like a real monkey. It's like too <laughs> like the lines are too well defined and it's too silly looking and. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it comes and, to life somehow. And then it's a real monkey. So anyway, yeah, that's the golden snub-nosed monkey eating berries. Available Thank on you. YouTube. And this week I get to do now, but wow. Ready. This week I am happy to spread the word about a book that I'm almost finished reading that I bought an eternity ago and let sit on my bookshelf. And I can't believe it's taken me this long. The book is How We Fight for Our Lives by Saeed Jones. I'm familiar Um, with Saeed Jones. He's great. Yeah. I think that I first like heard his name like on a podcast. I think that that he was an interview doing an interview or something. Anyway, I heard about this book and and basically it so it's a memoir and it is um his story of growing up in uh Louisville, Texas, which is not far outside of Dallas, mm-hmm. um as a a black boy who is slowly understanding that he's gay mm-hmm. and how this impacts not only his relationship with his grandmother but his mother 
and how he makes sense of who he is as a black gay man in America. Yeah. It is fantastic. It's also really a great length. I think it's under 200 pages, which makes it like bite-sized um, and it hits hard. So highly recommend. That's How We Fight for Our Lives by Saeed Jones. And Saeed Jones is also a great follow on Twitter at The Ferocity. Oh, nice. That is such a good handle. Isn't it? Yeah, really good. All right, I think that's it. Our producer is Abby Circatella. Uh, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Chat with other people who listen to the show at reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until next time, I've been a snake this whole time. <laughs> Surprise! Surprise! I'm Molly Weisenberg. And I'm the snake guy. <laughs> Uh, we have we have a cake that no actually we no longer have a cake. Uh, yeah, we uh, had a cake. We almost we almost no longer have a cake, and I just finished baking it at like four p.m. yesterday. <laughs> and this is our and we almost no longer have a cake episode. <laughs> I'm Molly. I'm Matthew. And this is spilled milk, the show where it, we cook something. To, what? We should start over. Sorry. Fine. I'm, I'm Matthew. Mo- no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' Cold Coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's Cold K-Cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Dunkin' is where you want to be.